Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the working that is Chrononaut Chronicles. My name is Bill. I will be your host for this particular Sonic adventure. The show is, of course, sponsored by mysticalwares.com. And Derek is not here with us yet this evening, so uh, we'll see if he pops on later. But I've got one other Chrononaut with me, and we will hear from Ben shortly. I uh, just wanted to take a quick glance at the almanac before we get into the uh, the meat of the show. A pretty uh, pretty uh, happening week coming up. Uh, so today is the full moon, actually. It's the full buck moon. Tuesday, we've got the Pluto and moon conjunct, and it's also Independence Day, so happy fourth. And Thursday is Saturn and moon have a conjunction, and Saturday is Neptune and the moon are conjunct. So i just like to go over those real quickly because they uh, are energies that can uh, have an effect on us and we can choose to work with them and capitalize on on those particular uh, flavors of the week, if you will, if, if, if you so choose. So after uh, after moving moving on to the next segment, I guess we will get into gratitudes. Ben, uh, Ben is with us. It's just me and Ben tonight, uh, but I did hit the record button, so I will be able to publish this. Uh, tomorrow we will not have another lost episode so ben welcome thank you for for showing up the day before independence day did you uh well first of all what's going on how are you and what are you grateful yeah brother um no thanks for entertaining uh this entertaining this conversation um i always look forward to these when i can make it so um yeah, it's been warm where I'm at. So it's nice to take a little break in the shade. Nice breeze blowing. Um, haven't thought about Independence Day. I am making hay for a living. So you do that, as the adage goes, uh, when the sun shines. And uh, it's been busy lately. So <laughs> haven't thought about it literally making hay bringing it home mm -hmm. cool. yeah. yep quite literally and uh we've been blessed with great weather and hasn't uh rained on any of the crop uh, in the field yet so we're doing great and uh yeah that actually kind of ties into my gratitude and actually as you were just saying uh, something about the cool breeze i was reaching for a fan switch to turn up the fan because i'm a little hot here as well but uh this particular fan is a newly installed ceiling fan which is my gratitude right it's just fans in general uh, i live in a, a bi-level house and there's no ceiling fans on any of the levels so we finally added our first two in the living room and over by the kitchen so get to have a little cool breeze and keep the air circulating and uh yeah it's got their book got lights on them so that's a plus and it's something i can check off the uh the old home improvement list so uh, but speaking of air quality there was a quite uh, quite a significant air quality alert at least for my area and in indiana because we when we went back to indiana again this weekend for a family reunion so ben did you have any uh wildfire smoke quote unquote wildfire smoke 
Um, not from those Canadian fires, no. Um, they're different. Ones. It is. It is. Well, it's wildfire season in the West, so there's always, you know, the uh, there's always a few going from lightning and things like that. But uh, the monsoon season is just sort of ramping up where I am, and uh, I was actually doing some fire mitigation work for homeowners who have their house kind of out in in the wild places and uh so knocking back some of the vegetation and clearing you know an area around the house so it's a little safer just in case i think that's on a lot of folks minds these days yeah so this is a you know i get these notifications sometimes when i was back in indiana living down there about the air quality index on my phone right I never really paid attention to it. And in looking at the actual like chart for the scale, right? This is uh it goes for excellent, fair, poor, unhealthy, very unhealthy, and then dangerous. And it's zero to two hundred and fifty plus, right? So uh we had the dangerous levels on Tuesday, I believe. And it smelled like you know, like a campfire outside. But uh I've heard I've heard stories coming out of Ohio and Chicago, people having a lot more health issues uh, over there, at least. Uh, hopefully, you know, it didn't seem like it got stayed that bad for that long. It, it dropped off as the week went on, but we're, it cleared up yesterday over the weekend, and then now we're back in it at uh, 39, so, which is just fair. It is not excellent. I guess that is advisory worthy, but uh, there were reports, and actually I saw a comment from the Michigan Department of Agriculture talking about these volatile organic compounds found within the uh, the wildfire smoke. And when when these compounds are exposed to ultraviolet light, to sunlight, they break down into things like formaldehyde and benzene so that was also floating around in the air getting everybody's lungs apparently allegedly right i i could definitely notice a little bit of a you know, minor irritation on the day it was bad but i still had to take the dog out still had to get the mail still had to you know water the lawn but try to stay inside as much as i could but uh, yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if there was a little bit more going on there than than we know. So this brings us to new business. Oh yeah. So uh, before we move on to that, to explain the point behind the gratitude segment, this is more than. The, the the segment itself is just an illustration of an exercise that you know Ben and I do at least uh, every day. I, I would like to say I won't put words in Ben's mouth, but uh, the practice of having gratitude uh, perpetually is what uh, the aim of of this segment is is to to foster the uh, the mindset, the foster the heart and brain coherence and that connection, and to live within that little bubble. And not just here on the show, but you know, after you're done listening, too, right? So that's the point behind the gratitude segment. And then the second segment is kind of a uh, kind of a grab bag, I guess. 
but ideally it's to uh, keep us learning right it's about continuing our our own education asking questions bringing up anything that we might find interesting along the way and this does include uh, current events so this is kind of a new you know i haven't introduced current events to the show right off the bat so it's kind of a new segment and ben dropped out we'll see if he shows back up if not myself for a second there he is he's back connect into audio mark this down maybe as a timestamp and come back to it if you want to cut it out Ben are you okay uh, yeah I don't know what happened <laughs> All of a sudden, I wasn't on the call anymore. All right. Well, you didn't miss much. Um, I was just explaining the point behind segment number two. And I get a lot of these interesting topics and stories from a particular Telegram channel by the name of Azazel News. So uh, we have our own Telegram chat for the show. So if you want to... Uh, Check that out and find the sources that we will be talking about and using today. Uh, hit the telegram up because I'm lazy and I don't like putting things in the show notes. So, but it all it is all uh, documented there. If you want to research yourself, no, I don't want to send an emoji. Go away. Uh, so, what did I throw in there this week? See, we ended last week with scrolling, scrolling. Oh yeah, the uh, Korean convenience store gold bar vending machine. So, picking up from there, I'm not going to store that quite yet. But uh, here's here's something that we uh, talked about a little bit last week was the, uh, the the cage fight between Musk and Zuckerberg. Ben, did you hear about this at all? I don't know. You weren't here last week, so apparently. Yeah. No, it, I I haven't heard of that. That okay. sounds like <laughs> like an interesting piece of bread and circus. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I forget who challenged who, but apparently they agreed to actually do this thing, right? So. According to the New York Post, UFC legend George St. Pierre is going to train Elon Musk for his cage fight with Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg. And uh, I think Elon requested it be in the, the Octagon in Vegas, which I'm not an MMA fan, but I think it's a big ring down there. So that is uh, interesting. And ooh, we could uh, I could try this. I'm going to mute down for a second and try to play this video about how being burnout and the concept of burnout is, is bullshit. So give me just a second. I'll see if I can actually get this to work.
Oh, okay. All right, here we go. Have you ever burned out before? Okay, I've never burned out. You say, ah, that's bullshit. No, I've never burned out because I know burnout is fake. It's fucking bullshit. Rodine, burnout ain't real. What happens is people lose their purpose, they forget who they are, and then they fucking get smoked. Did you hear that okay, Ben? Was it too loud? Yeah, I could hear it. Was, it was loud, but that okay. guy seems loud. Um, first time I've tried to do it. Well, not the first time, but yeah. Anyway, what'd you think? Did you catch the part? Well, I mean, congratulations. He's not experienced burnout, but um, I can I can see his perspective on it, but I have experienced it more than once. And it is an interesting thing to heal from. Um, but I don't know. There is there is kind of a push. Um, I've seen other uh, examples of in this um, reclaiming of masculinity, let's say, that seems to be happening um, to really push the placebo effect. So if you don't believe in it, it doesn't exist. And, you know, if that works for you, awesome. Cheers. But uh, everybody does have a different experience um, in this reality. So I don't think, you know, just calling it fake is necessarily that productive. Yeah, I was actually kind of thinking about that in regards to how... Uh, they they tell us that smoking cigarettes is is a challenge, right? And how maybe that it's not, and we're psyching ourselves out into thinking that it is. But I've never, I, I went, I, I quit once, right? Twice if you count vaping, but I went back from that, so I guess it cancels out. But yeah, the whole uh, you know, placebo, like you were saying, the reverse psychology, it to to you know something like smoking and you know challenge challenge yourself to i don't know do do something that you've always wanted to do right you know yeah i'm actually more interested in the uh, <clears throat> uh psychedelic therapies that they're having a lot of success you know remapping the neural network and um just allowing that to not and that might fall under the placebo effect as well you know um allowing that medicine to do what you're uh what you need it to do and what you intend it to do but the success rate they're having with it is what's intriguing for me and uh i've quit several times um the addiction to nicotine and you know it life circumstances have brought it back around every time so it is kind of that um you know pushing that boulder up the mountain kind of thing i did have a, a, a i don't know if it's advice right but a piece of wisdom that was given to me that always stuck um about quitting cigarettes and the guy said you can either always want to have a cigarette 
or always wish that you'd have quit smoking. It's one of the two. Mm, it's true. You see that? Yeah. It's been something I've uh, just been rethinking about because of the whole air quality thing. Because I still went outside to, to smoke, right? Of course. Got to. But uh, another. That's actually, I kind of chuckled when you were talking about needing to stay indoors uh for the air quality and i'm like it's, i yeah, i just roll with it man you know the sunsets are always a little prettier in the sunrise you know it is what it is uh and it but as a cigarette smoker i don't necessarily you know i avoid riding a bike behind a city bus but you know yeah. air quality is is what it is it's nothing i can change so unless i quit smoking Well, another, let's see, we're talking about psychedelics and remapping of the brain and consciousness. The I've listened to a, an interesting podcast with David Avocado Wolf on it. He was talking about parasites and how he's got this theory that uh, parasites are, are, everybody's got uh, at least a little bit or some, right? And these have a uh, an effect on our consciousness because the parasites, you know, want to to live and create an environment for themselves to thrive so yeah there's uh there's a theory out there that uh you know we we all need to do a parasite cleanse and it will help uh not only your physical health but it'll change your your awareness i'm i'm, I'm assuming right if you remove something that's been taking everything and not not giving then that would certainly change your perspective and I would like, he does, okay, so a parasite, I think if I remember his words, you know, how he defined it was anything that takes and doesn't give, right? So it's not just, you know, worms or whatever. It can be a, uh, a fungus, like, or is it, candida is a bacteria, right? It's a bacteria, so it's not a parasite, but, you know, it's it's taking and not giving. And everybody, you know, candida is, is a yeast overgrowth from eating breads and sugars and stuff fairly common that's what i struggled with when i stopped drinking was pulling all that stuff out of my skin through my that's how my body wanted to do it not me but <laughs> I, I digress uh yeah parasites that was uh an interesting cleanse to look into if you guys are interested in that oh yeah the uh the other thing about the wildfires is that that the uh a theory out there that it was a bp gas leak somewhere in chicago like this massive gas leak so take that for whatever it's worth Let's see what else is on the telegram uh some congressmen suggest ufos may be ancient civilization that's kind of old news to me but it's interesting that it's in newsweek of all places Did uh, Ben? Did you have any weekly interactions with the UFO since we last talked? You mentioned crop circles before we stopped recording or started recording. Um, well, I'd noticed uh, an article about that. There's been uh, some new ones recently um, in a couple different locations around the globe. Um, I was having fun making geometric patterns uh, with the hay rake this week, so I don't know. Maybe I was communicating with something. Uh, <laughs> 
the skies are busy man that is one thing about coming back to the southwest is uh i've got a real dark sky at night and there's a lot of stuff flying around up there so you know i don't i don't get too worked up about the whole disclosure thing um i've been a believer for a long time so it's not that important to me i guess it's interesting that i mean newsweek's talking about it and ancient civilizations leads to um you know a lot of things from mystery schools and uh you know galactic communication so uh yeah like it's the the what is coming out of this uh new movement into higher consciousness um from you know the occult stuff to the woo stuff and all of this you know i guess what mckenna would call the archaic revival right um in all facets of of society it, it seems like it's affecting so and the zeitgeist is really uh holding on to it which is nice uh to see some of this getting more attention yeah i did find a cool uh, short little less than 30 second clip about this it's a sphere hovering in milwaukee somewhere it's up on the telegram if you guys want to check it out but it's just the back of these you know duplex apartment complex people are living there then there's power lines in the trees and then right above the trees is this spherical orb just sitting there you see a bird fly by and i don't know kind of a uncanny you're into that well to me it's you know it's a lot like any other egregore thought form or whatever the more attention um that gets paid into these energies the the more realized they become you know within the population i think it's just going to be become the new normal you know that that what i refer to ghosts but you know aliens or cryptids or any of that stuff will just become uh more perceivable you know yeah um a lot of people are talking about how the veil is thinning uh and i think it's i don't know if the veil is thinning but i think more and more people's blinders are coming off might be a better way to look at it right it would uh maybe we listen to the same podcast because i know we give each other suggestions all the time but there was one of them that was talking about how in times olden times right times of the past people had uh, the ability to more openly see and communicate through the veil right like i'm not going to say everybody's like like derek and can see you know on all these different levels or like or, or or like ben and has you know other different types of abilities but you know it just seemed like it was more prevalent and because it was more prevalent people you know obviously they acted differently but think of that in terms of like the ages so as, as we go through like maybe this is a, a symptom a byproduct a part of like the upward trend that has to happen is we're going to see happen just because it's the way it's got to be when you're moving up maybe we'll all get these powers or whatever right 
but it does seem cyclical um and it's even like a, a plague and renaissance cycle that is repeating as well and if you look back you know even a hundred years ago the 1918 flu right there was a big spiritualism push after that and going into the roaring 20s right so art and music and everything kind of took off so all of that happening after a pandemic or plague right which you can track through history is happening as a cycle that happens as well you know you got to tear down the old for the new to come in and astrologically we're going into a new age um yeah you got to zoom way out and look at that big picture but you know for each new and and better way of doing something more heart-centered or more you know higher consciousness mind kind of thing um collective consciousness moving forward all old stuff has to fall away so there's always going to be a little chaos and smoke and fire so that something new can grow out of that right and you know what you if if parasites were the underlying issue it would make sense that as we you know learn to better treat mother earth and not monocrop and people would be cleaned out you know that the the environment in which the parasite thrives would no longer exist and that would in turn have an effect on people's consciousness because hopefully they could get rid of them right yeah you're a worse host the healthy you are you are you know so moving away from big ag into more smaller um sustainable uh, models right regenerative models putting the nutrients which include the minerals right back into the soil to get back into the food we become um a less than satisfactory host for a lot of those things yeah speaking of the the soil like all that shit that was in the air it's going to end up in our soil on the groundwater and uh, it was just making me think of uh, the electroculture bit about you know helping how that helps the soil too like it's supposed to get rid of like you don't need fertilizer or pesticide anymore apparently if you if you use electroculture so there are certainly solutions out there to be experimented with right at, at the very least but i think that and if you do a little digging you'll see a lot of evidence that it's probably more than likely true at least as far as electroculture goes but uh, well and it, it kind of goes back to the you know the thinning veil i like i said i don't know if that's actually what's happening or that um everyone is becoming more aware and more conscious and more mindful of their humanity right and that raising the frequency of every, not just you and people around you but everything around you so the plant life and the water used and you know all of that gets better as as we do yeah it's one of the masteries that is talked about with the four agreements that don mcgill writes about one of them, well, the first one is i don't know if they're, they're first but mastery of awareness mastery of transformation and then the mastery of intent so yeah absolutely i think awareness the more awareness that we can get the better and i've been trying to you know consume less like spend less time on this smartphone and then uh 
be more aware just in the moment. And I took that on Ben's, on your recommendation, Ben, consume less. I don't know what you said. It was something a few weeks ago, but trying to uh, do more meditation if I, if I can squeeze it in during the day. So, did, uh, were you going to say something? Nope. The uh, other interesting, oh, uh, I, I mentioned last week the uh, show on Amazon called I'm a Virgo. And it's about this giant, it's about this giant that grows up with normal sized humans, right? And they raise them and they have to keep them hidden in this house. Ben, have you, do you check, have you, you watch stuff on Amazon, don't you? Do you have any? You have access to that platform? Um, I, I do. I haven't looked in the video section in a while. Okay. The last thing it was, I was just watching cartoons one day. Uh, yeah. I'm interested about the giant, though. It is. It is weird. Uh, it's not a movie. I called it a movie last time. It's actually a little mini series. There's like seven episodes. But uh, it's it's uh, basically just uh, predictive programming for the Nephilim, right? They're getting you ready for for them to come back and be giants in society because it's what the series is about is how would society react if all of a sudden there was this giant walking around on the street. And in the show, it just happens to be this preteen, right? I'd say maybe he's 13 something. I don't know. Pretty sure he's older than thirteen because there's a there's this like twenty minute softcore porn scene between the giant and this chick that can slow down time or speed up time. It's really it's really weird, really weird. So, but it, it is it is an interesting. Oh, and there's a, a demented not demented, but there's a, a a crazy billionaire tech techie guy, kind of like a Tony Stark character that wants to go out and and cage the giant right so i won't oh and there's also a nod to small people the little folk a, a group of people get shrunken and i don't think they found out who did it and if they did i missed it because i did stop kind of paying attention <laughs> it was funny. i don't i don't know if i want to bore you with all the details but that just initiated the weirdest chain of synchronicity so now i have to watch that show oh but weird. uh yeah weird it is super, super weird show. So yeah, let watch it and then uh, let's talk about it after you've had a chance to see what it's all about. But yeah, yeah, I'll see if I can hook up the iPad to my solar panels and charge it up. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I probably have to drive to a higher spot to get better signal to watch a movie. But we'll see what happens. I will say that I will I, I will appreciate it for uh, the fact of of how they uh, portrayed just people in general taking, you know, the news that all of a sudden there's a giant. I think they did a fairly accurate job given the particular culture in they're somewhere in California, right? So every part of the country is different, right? If a giant shows up in, I don't know. oil field in texas there's an oil oil town or whatever i don't know you're trying to eat. not not a city because the the, uh, the setting is a city so 
He's in the suburbs. City folk and giants. And apparently that's where all the giants were. Right? Oh, I can't say that. But uh, there are some cities that seems like some of it, some, some buildings were bent, were, were built for giants. Anyhow. But uh, the only other thing that I really put into the telegram was this thing about the pentacle. And we can get into this because uh, after after this, we're just going to do, uh, we're going to get into the third segment. So this won't be quite as long of a, of a show, but uh, that's okay. Uh, we can have a, a little mini class about Sir Gawain and the Green Knight and the Pentacle. Ben, are you familiar with Sir Gawain and the Green Knight and those tales? A little, a little bit. I've, I, uh, it's been a couple of years since I was into that Arthurian myth, but uh, I find it fascinating. It and that so Green Knight, that Green Knight has has kind of had a resurgence into the into pop culture lately too. So I'd be interested to find out more. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Well, so this is a uh, just a uh, blog post that uh, is found on Azazel News. It is it is linked on the show telegram if you want to go find it yourself but figured i'd just read through this and uh stop along the way if anything uh sounds interesting or you want to talk about something that uh oh ben's gone now oh maybe we're not going to talk about this <laughs> gawain and the green knight it's got some gin action. D, D, J, I, N, N. Ben is back. I am just waiting for his audio to connect. I think he's here now. That's the second time that's happened. It is. It's it is. interesting. That's a, it did not go unnoticed. <laughs> <laughs> back to Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Oh, and, and yeah, I was just saying, Ben, if, you feel free to interrupt me along the way, right? We're not in a hurry to get through this. We know, Cheers. says the first post, is we know next to nothing about the author of the poem, which has come to be called Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. In the early 17th century, the manuscript was recorded as belonging to a Yorkshireman, Henry Seville of Bank. It was later acquired by Sir Robert Cotton, whose collection also included the Lynn's Farn Gospels, and the only surviving manuscript of Beowulf. The poem then lay dormant for over 200 years, not coming to light until Queen Victoria was on the throne. There is only one surviving manuscript. Within this, we see the factions. And well, to touch on this, I'm just going to read it, and if we have questions, we'll go over it later. Blue, King Arthur, Red, Morgan, Eafe, and her control of the djinn, that is, the Green Knight at the Green Chapel, and the Gold Wizardry of the Sash. S-A-S-H. There are a few pictures on here, too. It's just old paintings and a picture of the manuscript itself. You guys want to check that out on the Telegram? 
But uh, Sir Gawain in the Green Knight is a late 14th century Middle English chivalric romance. The author is unknown. The title was given centuries later. It is one of the best-known Arthurian stories, with its plot combining two types of folk motifs, the beheading game and the exchange of winnings. It describes how Sir Gawain, a knight of King Arthur's roundtable, accepts a challenge from a mysterious green knight who dares any king to strike him with his axe if he will take a return blow in oh, losing my spot if he will take a return blow in a year and a day Gawain accepts and beheads him with his blow at which the green knight stands up picks up his head and reminds Gawain of the appointed time in his struggles to keep his bargain Gawain demonstrates chivalry and loyalty until his honor is called into question by a test involving the lord and the lady of the castle where he is a guest. Water break. Finally got a little humid up here too. So. Anyway, in Camelot on New Year's Eve, King Arthur's court is waiting for a feast. A gigantic figure, entirely green in appearance and riding a green horse, rides unexpectedly into the hall. He wears no armor, but bears an axe in one hand and a, and a holly bow in the other, refusing to fight anyone there on the grounds that they are all too weak. Refusing to fight anyone there on the grounds that they are all too weak to take him on, he insists. He has come for a friendly Christmas game. Someone is to strike him once with his axe on the condition that the Green Knight may return the blow in a year and a day. The axe will belong to whoever the axe will belong to whoever accepts the deal. No other knight will dare until Sir Gawain, youngest of Arthur's knights, and his nephew asks for the honor. The giant bends, bears his neck. Gawain neatly beheads him in one stroke. However, the Green Knight neither falls nor falters, but instead reaches out, picks up his severed head, and remounts, holding on to his bleeding head, while its withering lips remind Gwen that the two must meet again at the Green Chapel. He then rides away. So just a little bit more detail. Count of the exchange, I guess. The poem contains the first recorded use of the word pentangle, Pentacle in English. Oh, Ben's gone. Hmm. I did hear a strange beep come through the headphones right before he disappeared. Here it is. Maybe it's a good thing I reread that uh, the first part twice. It reiterated itself anyway. But I don't think he missed anything, because I was just reading about the pentacle and didn't get too far until he dropped off. So I think we're okay. But it, it was saying that it contains the first recorded use of the word in English. It contains the only representation of such a symbol on Gawain's shield in the Gawain literature. What is more, the poet uses a total of 46 lines in order to describe the meaning of the pentacle. No other symbol in the poem receives as much attention or is, or is described in such detail. The poem describes 
the pentacle as a symbol of faithfulness and an endless knot. The five points of the pentacle relate directly to Gawain in five ways. Five senses, his five fingers, his faith found in the five wounds of Christ, the five joys of Mary, and finally, friendship, fraternity, purity, politeness, and piety, traits that Gawain, Gawain possessed around others. It is described as a sangi, S-Y-N-G-N-E, old English for sign, I'm guessing, uh, Pat Solomon, set, which is a sign set by Solomon. Solomon, the third king of Israel, was said to have the mark of the pentagram on his ring, which he received from the archangel Michael. The pentagram seal on his ring was said to give Solomon power over demons. The date of Sir Gawain's appointment with the Green Knight approaches. He sets off to find the Green Chapel where he is to meet his challenger. After a long journey, an extremely tired and hungry Sir Gawain arrives at the castle of Burlac de Hout Desert and asks for shelter. Bird. Bird. And so this guy and his beautiful wife are happy to receive such a famous visitor. An unnamed ugly old woman is also in the castle. Sir Gawain treats uh, this guy's beautiful young wife and the only old woman equally courteously. He is told that the Green Chapel is less than two miles away. Uh, so this guy goes hunting while Sir Gawain stays at his castle and uh, he tells Gawain that he will give him whatever he catches while hunting if Gawain will give him whatever he receives during the day. After he leaves, his wife enters the room and tries to seduce Gawain. Gawain resists, but allows her to give him a kiss. When the guy comes back, he gives Gawain a deer that he has killed, and Gawain passes on the kiss to him. This happens in trade again the next day. Wife gives Gawain two kisses, and Gawain passes them on to her husband. On the third day, the guy's wife gives Gawain three kisses and offers him a gold ring. When Gawain refuses, Gawain refuses the ring. She offers him her green and gold silk girdle, telling him that it has magical properties and will protect him from harm. Sir Gawain agrees to take it, and when her husband returns, Sir Gawain gives him the three kisses in exchange for a fox, but he keeps the girdle for himself. He didn't fulfill his promise. Sir Gawain goes to the Green Chapel, wearing the girdle around his waist, and finds the Green Knight waiting for him and sharpening an axe. Gawain stands ready to receive the axe blow. The Green Knight swings the axe at him twice, but does not strike him. The third time, he gives Sir Gawain a flesh wound. Having kept his promise to allow the Green Knight to strike him, Sir Gawain then prepares to fight and defeat him. The Green Knight laughs and says that he is that lady's husband. Bird, Bird, Black, Berkai. Can't pronounce it. I apologize. But you know what I'm talking about. He had been transformed by the magic of King Arthur's wicked sister, Morgan. The ugly old woman that Sir Gawain saw at 
the castle. Everything that has happened has been a plot by Morgan to test King Arthur's knights and to frighten Queen Guinevere. St. Gwen is embarrassed because he has failed to keep his promise to Bert. We'll just call him Bert. Although Bert does not really mind and returns to Camelot wearing the girl as a symbol of his shame. At Camelot, the other knights around the other knights of the round table forgive Sir Gwen for not keeping his word and decide to wear green sashes in remembrance of the adventure that Sir Gwen had had. And for a deeper dive into Sir Gwen and the Green Knight, there is a link which I will go ahead and put in the show notes. And then I'm going to put it in this chat here, so I'll have it for later. And if you want to follow up and read on that a little bit more for the show, you can do that. So, yeah, thanks, man. Did, uh, did you remember all those details about Sir Gawain? Um, I knew it was a, uh, it was like a keeping your word kind of, you know, test of, uh, what would that be? An integrity test. And also that little, uh, bit that his brothers forgave him kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so it was a lesson in forgiveness as well. Right. But also that they're, they're going to rub it in wearing the sash. I like that part. <laughs> a little hazing. Nothing wrong with that, as long as it's done in good spirit. So, yeah, that's a, a little connection to uh, King Solomon there, too, with the, uh, the geometry. Yeah, well, and the, and the stars always come up, right? Whether it be the, the pentagram or hexagram, or um, there's a lot in, in the different ways you can you can draw them as a as a symbol or sigil as well you know um i've been working with a seven-pointed star for a while lately uh, you know as a um the pentacle or the amulet on on the uh altar and it's uh yeah there's a, so much symbology there it's it's really nice to see it coming through in so many different nets It's so I am in the market for a new wallet and Ellie found this dude who can like laser etch and engrave designs on leather. And I was trying to send him a file for a seven pointed star to put on my new wallet. Would that, it didn't work because I couldn't get the correct file, but would that, uh, I don't know. I guess it's didn't end up happening. So I guess it wasn't a good idea, but what, how do you, uh, well, I, I don't know if you can discount it as a good idea or bad idea at this point, but uh, that I had a, once you start going into that energy, right, it, it tests you. So I think you might want to do a little more reading on the septogram before you put it on the wallet, but, um, and just, you know, cl- make sure there's a clear intention behind that magic because it will that symbology is strong so yeah let's say a saturn uh, saturn energy isn't it 
set uh, you can go down some like deep rabbit holes that have side tunnels to bunkers when you start digging into the number seven. So uh, I think I think you'll find what you need to find if you start digging a little more. Well, I got enough resistance that I just gave up and said, fine, I guess it wasn't meant to be. Mm. We'll see if it comes back up. Right. You know, if the universe throws it at you again the next couple of days, you might want to look into it. We just crossed over to Mars time, according to my planetary app, too. The first minute. Wait. See, that's funny. Since we're in different time zones, right? Yeah. Because uh, for me, the uh, the show starts in Jupiter time. Mm-hmm. Wait, no, it was twenty-four hour clocks. Math, but. Yeah, the uh, this this app that we talked about has just been interesting to keep an eye on as events happen throughout the day. Yeah, I've uh, it's been blowing my mind as as I observe, you know, what I'm thinking about, and can then correlate it to the planetary hour and having it be, you know. Uh, have a correspondence there with, with the line of thinking I was in, lining up with that planetary energy. It's pretty interesting. I wonder if that was happening before I started paying attention with this app, or if it's, you know, started because I started paying attention to what, what the planetary hours are. I don't know. It goes back to that awareness thing, right? Expanding that out and allowing, you know, it allows us to make all these connections. Yeah, the app is pretty, pretty cool. Oh no, Ben's gone. Ben's gone again. I'm here by myself, which is okay because I can just do a quick little review of the first three insights of the Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield. This is actually Ben's uh, book. Here, he's back. This was Ben's book suggestion on his 13 questions episode. So I figured we could uh, do a little deep dive into it on this show because we can, we can do that. It's my, it's my show. But then Ben's back. Ben, can you hear me? Yeah, I don't know what what's going on. Why I keep getting thrown out of the room, but uh, we'll get through it. We're almost there. <laughs> I was just explaining that uh, this was your book recommendation. I believe it was your book recommendation on thirteen questions. But we did the first three. There's twelve insights, and we did the first three. Uh, I believe it was two episodes ago. So. Just a little recap on that. So the first one has to do with noticing synchronicity, right? And the second one uh, just has to do with uh, the world having a, a spiritual design, 
And real quickly, this step in consciousness happens when we look back on the spiritual journey of humanity throughout history. We see that we are in a new phase of human progress. Humanity is now awakening from a materialistic worldview, moving into a new outlook that recognizes spiritual design. This design rewards an attitude of helping others and making the world better. All right, so a short recap on second insight. And the third one is a, a matter of energy, and it talks about giving and the karmic design. And to, just uh, real quickly, the last couple paragraphs on this for a summary is that, uh, oh, here we go. By getting into alignment with karmic design and helping, we attract more desirable, life-enhancing connections with others thereby injecting synchronicity into our lives. Thus, giving the capital letters to others brings forth the exact divine coincidences needed for our dreams to come true. All we have to do is participate. So giving is written in big capital letters, and I'm not saying to give big capital letters to, to your friends, but uh, don't let me stop you if you want to. That brings us to fourth insight, which we have not addressed yet. And this is, you know what, I'm going to pop this into the show chat, just for reference. And uh, so this site is the fourth insight, and it is about the struggle for power. Too often, humans cut themselves off from the greater source of this energy and then feel weak and insecure to gain energy we tend to manipulate or force others to give us attention and their energy when we successfully dominate others in this way we feel more powerful but they are left weakened and often fight back competition for scarce human energy is the cause for all conflict between people so i like this little point reminds me of how uh, animistic the uh this book is and how he the main character experienced this moment in the garden of his monastery i think it was a retreat somewhere in south america in which it, he could you know see feel perceive however you want to call it the energy coming off of a plant right and this just goes to show that uh and, and he could see it off of people too right he had an experience in which he witnessed some people arguing, right, and could see this weird, weird exchange happen, right? Yeah, he started started perceiving energy um, on a visual level, is the way I would describe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I guess it was very visual, but um, yeah. So this 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 insight has to deal with the human control dramas, which is one of the big things that really impacted me after reading this book, and you know what one of the big takeaways. And I actually got to use the, this information in real life to to help out a a friend that uh, asked for some advice. So it uh, comes in handy, folks. <laughs> reading stuff like this but the rest of the uh, insight on the website says when we seek 
the ethic of giving and not taking from or manipulating others, we step into consciousness. We begin to detect our ego's past manipulation devices, control drums, we have used to build ourselves up at others' expense. If we are mindful and catch ourselves every time we begin our control drama, eventually our control drama falls away completely. The dramatics begin to fall away until we can stop ourselves before we ever lapse into such a trap. Now, through giving, we can move forward synchronistically in freedom, ready to experience even more extraordinary moments of God's connection. A note on freedom, actually, and this comes from a podcast that I think I recommended to you, Ben, was that uh, freedom is kind of the opposite end on the spectrum compared to love. What do you think about that? Uh, remind me which podcast? Uh, was the one with the guy talking about um, Araman, Lucifer, and Christ? The Steiner, there's a lot of Steiner in there. And um, was the Aubrey Marcus podcast, maybe? Yeah, yeah, because I was already in the middle of it. Um, oh, you were when I sent it to you. Yeah. Oh, that's what that's what I that's what I meant by in the middle of it. Because uh, when I sent it to you, I was I didn't finish it yet. I was in the middle of. <laughs> that's so, funny because there's a way you can like time stamp it and i thought i did that on accident when i sent the leak it's like i didn't know what the oh oh that's funny um no i was currently listening to it and in the middle of the podcast when you sent me that link um yeah he's been having some really good podcasts lately uh really interesting interviews but as far as freedom being the opposite of love I guess I, that didn't hit me. I was listening to it at work the other day. Um, if that didn't resonate or stick out, but it is a fascinating idea to think about. I have to listen again. Um, I've been thinking about freedom a lot. And, huh. Is it just, just that, just that phrasing and that I, the language used in it gives me. Uh, many different roads to go down on that idea, you know. Um, one one idea on freedom that I enjoy is uh, Chris Christopherson's line, me and Bobby McGee, right? Um, it's just freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Um, and I've I've been exploring that uh, as I shed possessions and you know, go back to having a very simple existence, uh, kind of living on the road, on the land. And, uh, but being the opposite of love, I don't know. I'm going to have to sit with that one for a while, I bet. I don't know if he used those words verbatim, the opposite, but if you think of two, you know, two circles, and you combine the circles to get the Vesica Pisces in the middle. That is where Christ would be, the middle path. And then you would have freedom and love as the uh, the two extremes, the two circles that come together to combine. The, the idea, I think, being that uh, love is a uniting force, right? It binds us. But freedom, it releases us. Because you're getting you know, 
you're detaching from whatever it is that is keeping you from being free. And you can extract mm. I mean, there's so many ways you could you could go with that. Like are these meat containers keeping us from being free? <laughs> uh yeah, I guess that's that's a very sort of old world Gnostic idea, right? That the the prison is the flesh. Um and the whole idea of, you know, getting out of that mindset and realizing, I guess, that <laughs> uh you're already in the garden, so to speak. Um and it is <clears throat> it is a perspective, right? So I don't know. Like I said, I'm going to have to sit with this for a while. I'm going to listen to that podcast again. Yeah, it's definitely worth a second listen. Um, I did want to see if I could find what the four control dramas are real quick. So I'm going to search. Ah, here we go. Uh, intimidation, interrogation, aloofness, and poor me. So those mm. all exist on one spectrum, right? And you can kind of extrapolate what what they mean without you know, me reading a paragraph or whatever. But you know, intimidation is if you're being aggressive towards somebody to get their energy, right? To get their their attention essentially, uh, or you could be an interrogator. Like, I don't know if some of us had maybe had parents that were always questioning, what are you doing? You know, or, or you know, just being, being nosy, I guess. That's one way to get one's, you know, another person's energy. And then the, the op opposite end of the spectrum is aloofness and poor me, right? Everybody knows what aloof is. It just means to be, you know, separate, apart, like just distance. Not really engaging, but secretly you want you you want someone to come up and talk to you or whatever, right? And then the, the poor me is you know playing the victim card essentially, and that's a a huge one to uh, it's fun and uh, I'm, it's interesting to notice once you uh, have the awareness to look for it, right? When it's being played, when it's being played, right? This uh, the victim. And the, the third segment, actually, just to reiterate, I know, oh, I didn't really explain it. The point this time behind the third segment, is, well, not this time, but uh, I didn't explain it this episode, is to empower people, right? To to help people, not to help me, right? Because this is a working, it's going to affect me first, I know that. But it's in to, to empower us, to, uh, to not be a victim, right? To be a hero, as Miguel Connor says on Aeon Byte. Uh, to write your own gospel, right? So, <clears throat> excuse me. I believe I just cleared my throat into the microphone. I don't think I've ever done that before. Anyway, uh, fifth, the fifth insight. We'll do this one, and then we'll do one more, and we'll call it for this episode. But uh, the fifth insight is the message of the mystics. 
It says that insecurity and violence ends when we experience an interconnection with divine energy within, a connection described by mystics of all traditions, a sense of lightness and buoyancy, along with the constant sensation of love, are measures of this connection. If these measures are present, the connection is real. If it is not, it is only the spiritual connection. We break through, at least momentarily, to experience a moment that seems to move us past our normal level of consciousness, and we sense an ultimate connection. Sometimes this event comes through a spiritual practice we've found that brings us to this moment. It could be a peak experience at a house of worship, or through prayer, meditation, music, communing with nature, or a host of other points of entry. Interesting verbiage there, points of entry. Instantly, we receive a fast-forward boost in our sense of well-being, peace, and even blissfulness. We experience an experience described by prophets and saints as a greater sense of knowing and wisdom and the deep emotion of love, convincing us even more by foretelling that spiritual consciousness is real and provides a look ahead to the levels of awareness, the ultimate goal of spiritual evolution. Here we go with the awareness talk again. Be pretty aware of being aware for awareness after this episode. <laughs> And to end with, at least for now, the sixth insight has to do with clearing the past. The more we stay connected, the more we are acutely aware of those times when we lose connection, usually when we are under stress. In these times, we can see our own particular way of stealing energy from others. Once our manipulations are brought into personal awareness, our connection becomes more constant and we can discover our own growth path in life and our spiritual mission, a personal way we can contribute to the world. Sensing a life mission, experiencing moments of profound spiritual connection opens us to the sixth insight. We begin to receive a sense of clarity for where synchronicity is taking us, what our life direction might be. This consciousness brings the strong intuitions and guides us to our mission in this life. This could fall within any area of human endeavor or any areas of life from relationships to finding passion in a career it is usually a vague glimpse of our future destiny one that invokes in us a heightened sense of inspiration and fulfillment though somewhat undetermined our intuitions can stand as a general goal that will help us to understand and follow our synchronistic path and help us move forward So, follow the synchros, right? That has been said before. I don't want to go on this show, but I think I've said it on 13 questions before. Well, and, and they said earlier, you know, acknowledge them. And that was uh, right before that we were talking about a very similar kind of vibe. And uh, I earlier in the show acknowledged the synchro. Um, as you acknowledge them, you become more aware um, of the subtlety sometimes of how they show up because it does seem like 
you know, like Derek would say, it's a radio station you can tune into. And when you are on that, in that flow vibe, um, the universe likes to talk and has a lot of different ways to do things. Or you acknowledge it, the stronger that connection gets and you can, you know, really communicate and flow with it. It reminds me of Don Miguel and his awareness of the first dream and the awareness of the second dream and how that concept, the awareness of the second dream is realizing that we have the ability essentially to be aware of how everything is going on around us isn't really happening the way that we're being told, right? And it, it's this this realization that uh, it's an entry point, right? And that allows us to live in that little bubble that you were talking about. Not in a bad way. Bubbles are like a bubble of love energy, right? So I'm talking right, about. and it's yeah, and it's more like you know the um, indigenous, uh, several indigenous cultures, but one that stands out is is the Aborigines in Australia. Um, will say that you know this what 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 we call um, reality is the dream time, and where we go when we dream is reality right so mm -hmm. thinking about that and combining lucid dreaming that's you know co-creation or you know reality transurfing uh techniques kind of fall into that as well so yeah good stuff good so, uh, we're going to save the rest of the six insights for another episode, and this one will be a little short, just because it is the day before holiday. So, Ben, I can't believe that uh, you showed up. <laughs> Honestly, I'm surprised, kind of, that uh, anybody showed up. But thank you so much for for chatting and. Um, yeah, did you have any anything you also wanted to get in the last minute? Nope, this was a fun one. Right on. I will uh, gonna, this. go ahead. Uh, it's just it's going to lead to several good meditations. I can already tell. You know, there's a lot. This was a, a of, go ahead. I'm sorry. There's a lot to ponder after after this chat. So I appreciate it too. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, it was a short episode, but it will be one in which uh, it's laying the groundwork work for us to report back to about uh, several different topics. So, uh, Ben, thank you for joining me on uh, this Monday night. I will get this released on Tuesday evenings as per usual. And until next time, Chrononauts, Carpe Diem.